0: I'm Tim, and this is Rethinking Church Podcast. This is a place where we take the assumptions and the things that we have assumed and believed. I'm Tim, and this is the Rethinking Church Podcast. This is a place where we re examine the assumptions and beliefs and methods that we have held on to, often well past their usefulness in the church. Now, as I began the process of restarting Goldsboro Wesleyan Church as the hydrant church, we had a story that started to take root and help us to understand our new calling. And it's a story that I often tell with permission from its originator, Tim Green. And and it takes on a new context in each new place. But it's the story of a hospital that became a museum. And maybe as I share this parable with you, it will have some familiarity and and bring some perspective to what may have happened in your church and what needs to happen in your church. So as the story goes, years ago, a disease kind of cropped up. Maybe it it came on kind of like COVID, but was way more deadly. If you got this disease, the one thing you knew for sure is that within a couple of months, you were going to be dead. You didn't have time. In one small town, there were 10 or 12 people who got the disease at about the same time, and, and they decided to do something a little unusual. They decided that they would move out of town and kind of build a, a cabin, a shack, if you would, out in the woods where they could spend out the rest of their days in peace, sharing in what it was to be people with this disease. So they spent their days researching, trying to figure out a cure for the disease, and then they spent their evenings gathering around the fire to tell stories. Night after night, they told the stories of of their children being born, of their favorite vacations, of their, their biggest failures and losses, and they just shared in life together. And then something remarkable happened. There was one guy who came rushing into the shack one afternoon and said, Listen, it's crazy, but I think I found something. I think I found something that could be the cure to this disease. I'm not sure. It's really early to tell. And so we decided that they would they would take this cure together. About six of them were the, were the first recipients of the cure. And they started taking it every morning and evening. And after a little while, they noticed the symptoms were starting to decrease a bit. After about a week, They were gone completely. And within two weeks, they felt like their old selves again. And so they decided that they would go into town, go to the hospital and get tested. So they went in and they got tested. And as it turns out, there were no traces of the disease left in their bodies. And they came back and they threw a party. They started celebrating like nothing you'd ever seen. It was amazing. And then they got to work. They started making as much of the cure as they could and helping as many people as they could. They didn't have any money and and they didn't want to charge for this. When you have the cure for a disease like this, it's not about making money. It's about helping people. And so they would help as many people as they could. and, And often out of gratitude, those who received the cure would donate back to help them make more of the cure and eventually just start adding on to this little shack and they had to add on rooms and and sections to help take care of all the people who were coming to the shack for the cure. It didn't take long before they were having to build on wings to this thing and they had sections that were five, six, seven floors high and one over here that was like 10 floors high and they had all of the space and people were coming and getting the cure and they were coming back and serving and some of them were giving and they were they were doing what they could as fast as they could to make a difference and make a dent in the the deadly effects of this disease one night as they continued their tradition of gathering around the fire that same guy who found the cure said, you know, we've been calling this place The Shack for a long time. And it, and it might be time that we came up with a new name. And, and they all kind of agreed and started talking a little bit. And he said, well, I have a suggestion. He said, we don't have a lot of money, but I've got some wood outside. And I, I can go and I can make a little sign that says hospital. That's what this place is, right? People come, they get better, and we send them out. And and it's a place of healing. So let's just call it the hospital. And they all agreed. They thought it was a great name. So he went out and he carved the letters into this rough little sign. And he hung it over the original door to the original shack and kind of took a step back, really proud of his work and, and what had been accomplished in that place. And they got back to work sharing the cure with anyone who would receive the benefits of the cure. As the years passed, they continued to help as many people as possible. They continued to serve and continue to heal and continue to see great things. A couple of generations passed and now the grandchildren of those original 10 or 12 were running the hospital and, and they were starting to get a little concerned. No longer did they sit around the fire. Now they had a boardroom where they sat and they met and they talked and one night you could see as they gathered around a couple of them were getting a little worked up they were it's like they were preparing to say something until finally somebody said what's going on a spokesperson decided they would share and they said listen i love this place i've grown up here i believe in the mission of the hospital but but i'm worried You see, my kids have been born here and they've never had to worry about this disease. But if people who are sick keep coming in here at the rate they've been coming, then my kids might get sick. I don't know that we can protect them the way things are now. We've got to slow down the flow of sick people here. At first there was some grumbling and some disagreement, but after a while... It seemed like the right thing to do. We've got to protect our kids. We've got to keep our kids safe. And so someone suggested, let's just build a wall. We'll build a 10-foot wall all the way around the hospital. And and then anyone who climbs over, we'll we'll help them. We'll catch them and we'll give them the cure and we'll help them to get better. But it'll just slow down the number of people coming in. And it will just protect our kids from this disease. I mean, it seemed like a good idea. And they all agreed they built the wall and immediately immediately the number of sick people coming into the hospital dropped to almost nothing i mean don't get me wrong every now and again someone had the strength to climb over the boundaries to climb over the wall and and to get the cure they would they would climb up and 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 everyone would rush out and they would catch them and they would celebrate them and they would help them to get better and then they would send them back out and it was this beautiful thing but it was rare and it continued to get more and more rare with each passing year until there came a day when no one was coming into the hospital in fact, it had been so long that that most of the wings to this place had been shut down for a long time. It's the great great grandkids now, those original founders, and they're trying to figure out what to do with all this space. and And someone says, "Well, why don't we start filling the rooms with artwork?" so i can paint i can paint some pictures of of the original shack and of the of the process of finding the cure and of people getting well and someone else said you know i love to write i could write those stories and we could do biographies of the original 12 and we could we could talk about how the disease works and how the cure works and and we could write all of these wonderful books and someone else decided they could make sculpture and someone else write songs and so they began to work again they had purpose. They would fill the hallways and fill the rooms with artwork and sculptures and paintings and music and, and all of these wonderful things. And so they did until it was full. One day there was a, a guy walking around the outside and he and he saw that old hospital sign and it, it made him chuckle at first. And That night he went to the meeting and he just kind of said, Hey, listen, I saw this sign out there that said hospital. And I don't know what it means or why it's there, but this place is not a hospital. It hasn't, it hasn't been a hospital in years and years and years. I think that we need a new sign. I think that we should put a sign up that says museum and we'll we'll have it made out of neon and we'll put it really high so everyone can see that this is a museum and we'll, we'll open it up on certain days and certain evenings and certain times and people can come in and they can see the artwork and sing the old songs and to hear the old stories and it will be amazing. And they all agreed. The museum sign was erected And as it was put up, that guy went by that old door and he found that old hospital sign and he took it down. He was just about to throw it in the trash. when he decided, no, somebody else may get a good laugh out of this one day. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it up in the attic. And that's what he did. He put it in the attic and the transformation was complete. The hospital had become a museum. Now it's pretty obvious to most of us that that hospital that became a museum is the church. The church that was once so focused on being a place of healing, a place of hope, a place for the sin sick, has become a place that's more about a show and being pretty and having a bright sign to to attract those around the town. And so all over town, there are bright signs lighting up the sky, saying, come here and see what we have. The problem is nobody's coming. The sin sick are too weak to get over the barriers that we've put to getting involved, to hearing the good news, to experiencing God. I think that if Jesus were to walk us through that place, imagine with me, if you would, that he's walking us through this museum. We'd follow him in and and we would head toward those main glass sliding doors of the museum, but he would go through the shack door, I think. And he takes us through and we go to room 101. And in room 101, we can hear something happening. As we get close, we can hear the music. It's energetic. It's exciting. We can hear laughter and singing and joy. And it's a, it's a party. We can smell the food and we get excited. Imagine we'd all start to rush into that. But Jesus, Jesus stops at the door. And so we kind of stopped too, mainly just not to run into him. And he looks back at us and says, I love when my people celebrate. I love it. I think it's amazing. But that's not what room 101 was for. You see, room 101, room 101 was for that guy in town. He lost his job about a year ago and he's never really been able to get back on his feet. He's had odd jobs here and there, but it's not been enough to keep him going. Not long ago, he, he started drinking and, and his wife just can't handle it. She told him last week that, that if something didn't change, she was going to have to leave. And she took their two kids. She went to her mom's and the next stayed over. He was devastated. He didn't know what to do without them. And so last night, he bought a gun. And he's contemplating whether he's going to end it all. He feels like he's made a mess of everything in life and failed at everything. And maybe this is one last thing he can do good for his family. And Jesus says to us, room 101 was for that guy. Not so that you could yell at him about committing suicide, not that you could yell at him about his failures or his family. It really is so you can come and bring him here and give him a place to heal a place for him to discover his worth and that he is loved and to rebuild his life, to be able to say to him, no matter how many times you mess up, no matter any relationships you screw up, no matter how many jobs you lose, I will never give up on you. I will never write you off and I will always see value in you. Trust me instead of your own instincts. Find grace in me instead of in that bottle. Walk with me into new life. And that's what room 101 is for. We can see this hospital thing is kind of important to Jesus, so we keep following him as he goes up to the stairs to the third floor. He takes us down to room 321. And as we as we get close, we can hear a different kind of sound in this room. It is not happy. It's not pleasant. It is not a party. In fact, it's a board meeting. (laughs) There are four people on this side of the table and four people on that side of the table. And they're arguing. They're arguing over updates to the museum. This group says new carpet. That group says new lighting. And nobody can agree. They just need one person to break the tie. But they're they're stuck. They're stuck. And Jesus looks at us and says, listen, I get it. You've got to be good stewards of what? I entrust you and and love is in the details, but that's, that's not what room 321 is for. You see, there's a young girl in your community and it was tough. Her parents split in high school. She wasn't sure what to do. Started looking for love and acceptance in all kinds of places. Started experimenting with things to just make the pain go away and And meth became her drug of choice. It didn't take long before she ran out of money and she wasn't welcome at home anymore. And she was doing whatever she had to do to get money for the next fix. And so a couple of months ago, she started selling the only thing she had that that she hadn't already lost. And last week she found out she was pregnant. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know who the father is. It feels to her like she's helpless and that no one will help her. She feels like her only option is an abortion. He says this room is for her. This room is for her. Whether she goes through with that abortion or not, this room is for her. It's a place for her to discover that she is more than a fix, that she is more than a piece of property for someone else to use and discard. It's a place for her to discover that she is loved and to heal and to begin again. It's a place for her to find value in life again. And I'm looking for some people, some ladies who will gather around her and walk her through a fresh beginning, a new start, a new life, but it'll take patience because I want to heal her, but I don't usually heal people with a zap. And there are going to be times when she hurts you and disappoints you and you don't know what to do, but I just need some folks who will go into that room with me and with her and walk her through this so that she discovers just how much of a cherished child of God she really is. He do you think any of you could go into a room like that with her and be that for her? He continues on and he's telling us about other rooms as we walk by them. He talks about the young couple who's pregnant, the couple who moved into town and are lonely, He reminds us, you know, I put the lonely into families and and you guys, you're that family. And he walks us up to the attic and in the attic, we look and it's all dusty and dark. And he pulls that chain and we hear the click and the light bulb flicker on. The first thing he picks up is this wooden spoon. He says, you know, this thing got me into more trouble. All I did was eat with people and listen to them and help them believe the truth again. But somehow that was way too much for some people to handle. And then he walks over and he and he picks up these cloths and they're kind of tattered and torn and they look like they might even be bloody. And he holds them close. Because, you know, when I walked on earth, when I lived here, there was this disease called leprosy. And it would rot your skin and, and make parts of your body fall off. And we had no cure for it. And, and people who got it would stand far off and they would yell out, unclean, unclean. It was essentially a death sentence. One day there was a guy with leprosy and he asked me, he said, if you're willing, Jesus, you can heal me. And my heart broke. If I'm willing, he said, that's what I told him. That's why I came. And I did something that nobody had done in a long time. I just touched him. And in that embrace, he was healed. (laughs) Ah, I love that moment. And then he sees something over in the corner. He goes and he gets this board and he kind of dusts it off and starts to trace his finger over something, and you can see a tear trickle down his eye. So he traces the letters, H-O-S-P-I-T-A-L. Hospital. (laughs) Hospital. And he looks at us, and he says, I didn't come for the people who think they've got it right. I came for those who know they didn't. I didn't come for the healthy and the righteous. I came for the sick. And I wonder if you will join me in hanging this sign back up. Will you make your church a hospital instead of a museum? Will it be a place where people can find healing for what hurts them? Where they can find a fresh beginning? When they can discover my love by the way you love them? says, will you hang this sign up and be a hospital in your community for me? I wonder, is your church these days more like a museum or a hospital? Are there barriers up, maybe unintentionally built, that are keeping people away? It's time to tear them down. Has it been about shiny signs or is it about healing people? May our lives be marked by the mission of Jesus, to seek out the lost, to seek out the sick, and to bring the healing balm of his love. This has been Rethinking Church, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great week.